must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic process. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And welcome to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about, you guessed it, great men. Specifically, great men from American history. In this show, we talk about the men who shaped our nation into what it is today. And we also go into their background a little bit more so we can see them more as a human being rather than just a historical figure. If you've listened to some of my previous episodes, then you know that I am focusing on men from World War II for the next few weeks. And today, I have a special little treat for us. I have my very own history professor with us, Dr. Calvert, and he is going to tell us about his father and how he fought in World War II, but he's also going to tell us about his life as well. Today, I am here with Dr. Kenneth Calvert. He is a professor of ancient history at Hillsdale College for 26 years now, and he is going to tell us a little bit about his father, and I really want to dive into his life, and not just his time in World War II, but his time as a child and his time with his family. So why don't you start telling us about his childhood and everything that entails? Yeah, happy to do that, Lauren. Thank you for having me. This is uh, this is a great honor to be able to talk to talk to you about my dad. Of course. Um, my dad grew up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, a mountain town. Um, the Calverts got to Altoona, Pennsylvania, uh, a rather long route. We're actually related to the Calverts who founded the colony of Maryland, a very hoity-toity oh, wow. you know, crew. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we are uh, related to a guy named Benedict Swingate Calvert, who was one of the lords of Baltimore um, by way of an illegitimate child named William. Uh, Benedict had like 14 <laughs> oh, children, oh my. only four of them by Mrs. Calvert. Uh, but what he did do is he left uh, his name and property and wealth uh, to all of his children which was really unusual in those days. And so William Calvert uh, got a piece of territory out in Pennsylvania. And in Altoona, Pennsylvania, there's still an area called Calvert Hills, which apparently, according to family lore, uh, was named after uh, our family. So we have had family out that way uh, for ages, uh, since uh, the colonial era. Uh, Coming into the modern world, my grandfather, Roy Lefevre Calvert Sr., had a number of rental houses. He owned a milk um, uh, a milk processing plant of some sort, as I recall. He was an insurance agent. He was kind of a jack of all trades. Um, an interesting point is that in his uh, the houses that he rented, uh, he put telephones in them. And this is in the like 1920s, uh, 1930s. Um, so this is like Wi-Fi today. You know, you, you want to yeah. rent and you want to jack up the rent. You put a wife, you put Wi-Fi in there, right? So he would put telephones in there. Um, came to understand many, many years later uh, that my wife's grandfather was the only man installing phones in Altoona, Pennsylvania at that time. So our grandfathers had to have known each other. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that is yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. So that's what my, fa- my father, Roy, Lecav- Roy Lefevre Calvert Jr., that's the life he was born into. Um, in the Great Depression, they lost everything. They just lost Mm -hmm. everything. And uh, all they had was a little ramshackle farm outside of Altoona. Um, 
And that's where my dad grew up. And for his parents, my grandparents, that was a very, very difficult time. Uh, my grandmother had a nervous breakdown at the time. But my dad loved living on the farm. He just loved running all over the place and doing all kinds of fun stuff. They actually had a Civil War veteran living in a little hut at the back of their property. And so they got a little mo- a bit of money each month um, from his you know, service um, uh, as a military man. But they would feed him every day, and my dad would go and talk with him. And he was actually uh, on the uh, uh, officer staff of uh, General Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. So my father, you know, knew someone who knew U.S. Grant. You know, I mean, how mm-hmm. weird is that? And so wow. it's wonderful history, actually. Uh, but um, so that's how my father grew up. He, he remembered that. And uh, he had a tough life. It was a difficult life being, um, you know, a child who really was used to be having uh, something of a middle class life being thrown into absolute poverty. Uh, because of the Great Depression. Uh, but he still had fun on that farm. He enjoyed it. One thing he talks about, we, we often hear about Franklin Delano Roosevelt and all the things that um, Roosevelt did to try and kind of save the day in the United States. His family was absolutely determined to not take any government money. Mm-hmm. V- very determined uh, to stay independent of that because of their fear that that was going to be used to control them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, good old-fashioned Hillsdalian ideals. <laughs> at work there, the Calvert family, uh, very early. My dad went to high school um, in the Mountain Public High Schools. Uh, you may or may not know, I was the headmaster of, six, of, of Hillsdale Academy for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad looked at what we did at Hillsdale Academy, which is considered a fairly rigorous education, and he thought we were wimps. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, in high school, public mountain schools, not very uh, wealthy, very poor schools. Still, they had great teachers and were really pushed hard. Um, He did well enough in mathematics and in uh, sciences to later on be offered a position at MIT uh, to study chemistry. Um, The war got in the way of that. Mm -hmm. Um, He learned uh, Latin and he learned German. So that when he went into uh, service in in the military, um, having known some German, uh, he became the guy in their company who would talk to uh, the Germans who surrendered to them or that they captured, right? So very, very interesting that he had that. And I have found some of his old books, his old German books, his old chemistry books, et cetera. So when he went into the military, the war started and he knew that he wanted to do something. Um, He signed up for a program that was supposed to be intended for kids interested in science. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was in 1944. Uh, He entered in, he was born in 25. Uh, So he he went into the military actually younger than he was supposed to be. But his mother signed a document. She was not well, but she signed it. And, you know, maybe she just wanted to get the kid out of town. I don't know. (laughs) But um, they ended up in California at Stanford University. Okay. Um, It became very clear, though, that the war was not going to end soon, and they just needed more infantrymen. Mm -hmm. And so they divided the guys up. A bunch of them went to Burma. A bunch of them went to to Georgia uh, to train. Uh, My dad was chosen uh, to go to Georgia. And apparently those guys who went to Burma had a really, really hard time of it. Uh, But then so did the guys who went to Germany. But still, uh, nobody wanted to go to to Burma. Um, 
so he he was trained as an infantryman, um, won a couple of awards for his shooting, and uh, was shipped off to uh, to Europe. Uh, they landed. Um, at the beaches of Normandy um, a, a number of weeks after D-Day. Uh, that, that turned into a port for a short time until they could take Calais up north. Um, and so uh, he came in there. Uh, they were training on minesweepers, you know, on, on uh, mine detectors, excuse me, minesweepers, a ship, mine detectors. Uh, and they were told, oh, put the mine detectors down, pick up your rifles. Uh, Patton is crossing through southern France and going to attack up on the right flank of the whole American effort. And so that's what he did. Um, it's at that point that he stops talking about anything having to do with the war, right, mm -hmm. because of uh, all the pain. Um, he would tell us stories about fun things they did and some important things, and I'll, I'll share a couple of those stories in a minute. But uh, I found a letter uh, that he wrote to his mother, and he writes to his mom, um, this was um, what, uh, like late 1944 into 45, and he just says, you know, here we are having a party, you know, learning how to use mines, you know, detectors, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he says, and then we crawled through the mud for a few months. And that was his description of combat, mm -hmm. okay? And then he starts to talk about how um, there are different German forces um, surrendering to them. And then he goes, he, he actually went to Munich to study, continue his studies in science and ultimately chemistry, and went back home and studied chemistry at Penn State uh, to be near to Altoona, Penn State, Pennsylvania, uh, near Altoona and uh, his mom. So. Um, in between all that, uh, he served in Patton's army, and Patton was someone who wanted to get the job done, and to get the job done, you had to fight. And so his men both loved him and hated him for that. And my dad, my dad talked about that, um, uh, many of the experiences they had. Uh, you know, the idea that people are trying to kill you, and you have to kill them, and it might be long range with a rifle, it might be up close with a knife. Um, he did all that and would start to talk about some of those moments. And then he'd talk about a friend who didn't make it, you know, out of that particular piece of combat and uh, would start to cry and he just couldn't go on. So it was, it was a time, and, and when, I, when I think about my dad, my dad was not, an, was not an easy man to get along with. But if you've been through the Great Depression and you've been through a war, um, you can kind of understand that. And I, I really didn't begin to understand that as a person um, and as his son until, you know, really I became an adult uh, and I could start to understand that. He was fighting in a war, um, you know, at the same age that I was graduating from high school. And uh, he used to use what they called a, a Browning automatic rifle, which is the early kind of assault rifle. And um, I saw a picture of him with one once. Uh, that picture has disappeared. I don't know if he got rid of it or what, but uh, it was in front of a building that had clearly seen um, a lot of fighting, and he was there with his BAR, as they called it, Browning Automatic Rifle, on his shoulder, smoking a cigar uh, with his helmet just a little bit tipped, like, you know, he was really something. And uh, he must have been really something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... 
Um, so yeah, that's that's my dad, and that's the war, and I'd be happy to tell you other stories that he told me uh, about the war. This is Lauren Scott on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, interviewing Dr. Kenneth Calvert about his father who fought in World War II. So your dad had a pretty difficult life, a pretty tough life, as you mentioned, from his mm-hmm. childhood into his teenage years and then his young adult years Absolutely. in the war. Yeah. How did this affect you and how did this affect the way he raised you? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, um, both good and bad. You know, of course, no parent, you know, does it great, except my wife. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing that I would say about my dad is that he was a very difficult man to get along with. And in his life, he actually went through many jobs uh, because he was very difficult. But the thing is that he also had an intense um, commitment to his family. Um, I think because of all of the stuff he saw as a child and the war and all of that, he wanted to make sure that his family was taken care of. We never went hungry. We never didn't have a roof over our house. We always had, you know, clean and nice clothes. Um, we had used cars, but they were always in great shape, you know. Um, when I when I look back at uh, kind of his employment history and I think to myself, oh my, how did he do all this? Um, I realized that he... He never, he never missed a mortgage payment. Um, he was the kind of man who absolutely stood by his commitments, uh, even though it was very hard for him in life and in business life. So um, I, I saw that in him, and I learned that from him. I, I started, you know, he, he wanted me to have a job as soon as I could in the state of Illinois, and that was at 14 years old. I've never not had a job since I was 14, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, that's kept me out of debt. That's kept me, um, you know, doing well for me and my my family. So all of that is good. Another thing, you know, that my dad loved to do. He loved to travel, and I think this had to do with seeing Europe in an unusual way. Still, you know, he got to travel, and uh, we we would get he'd get two weeks off every year. That was his vacation time, and like the first day of those two weeks, we'd pile in the car. And, you know, we'd bring all our toys, uh, not all our toys, but a lot of toys. I'd bring G.I. Joe's, my sisters would bring Barbies and all kinds of stuff. And we would just drive for two weeks and we would go. And my dad loved to go as fast as he could, 90 miles an hour, you know. When, when Reagan uh, made the 55 mile an hour limit on highways, he was so angry. Because that meant it would take so much longer to get point, from point A to point A to B. You know, um, Everything, uh, Mount Rushmore, uh, Rocky Mountains, uh, out to Disneyland in Southern California and back, uh, around the East Coast, battlefields galore, uh, Gettysburg, Antietam, you know, all of this, um, uh, you know, uh, all of this is what he wanted to do, and he would take us there. We, we went on a tour of the old Calvert haunts in Maryland. At that time, I didn't know we were related to an illegitimate child, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was that much fun. So, you know, here's a guy, but, but a guy also who didn't want to hear, hear you whine or listen to feelings or that kind of thing. Actually, I've inherited some of that and I had to have that as the headmaster of Hillsdale Academy. But, um, you know, this was, this was, uh, this was Roy Calvert. This was what he was about. And, um, I had to, I had to deal with some things that I, I was given, you know, not too happy things, you know, from him, but still, you know, all told, uh, just 
just a, a really, really good man. Yeah. How did he meet your mother? <laughs> so my dad was a chemical engineer, finished at Penn State. He was working for a, a, a chemist, chemical company in uh, Manhattan. She grew up in Brooklyn, New York, uh, daughter of a Norwegian um, uh, uh, sea captain. Of course, all Norwegians, you know, on, on the <laughs> sea. Uh, and um, she had never left New York. The first 20 years of her life were in New York City. And she'd worked a number of jobs, worked at Macy's uh, for a while when Macy's was a big deal. And um, she then started working as a secretary for this chemical company. And in those days, all of the executives had, um, you know, dental checkups and physicals and all that kind of thing, eye checkups. And it was her job to go around and, and gather them up and take them to whatever doctor, all in the same building that they needed to go to. And so she met, uh, you know, Barbara Finstrom met uh, Roy Calvert on uh, an elevator. And it was, it was through this uh, that they, you know, he said, oh, you know, she's a nice looking lady. And he was 30, she was 20, you know, so 10 year difference. And a very, very happy relationship and got married and immediately started having children. So, and there are three of us now, yeah. <laughs> Your father had many jobs, but mm -hmm. even through that, you mentioned how he stayed committed to your family. Right. How has this influenced you yeah. in relation to your family? Yeah, yeah. I think that um, it's interesting that we moved a lot. Uh, I, I think I once counted we moved nine times, all told. For the Calvert family, for my kids, all they've known is Hillsdale. This is the only place we've lived. And so in a way, um, I've done the opposite. Uh, I've had one job with one great college and um, lived in one house in one town, right? And that to me has been um, the kind of stability that I wished I'd had as, uh, as a child. Uh, so there's that. But um, there's also the fact that uh, you know that if you have a job and if you are in an organization, there's always going to be conflict and always going to be all kinds of stuff going on. And what you do is you apply yourself in the best possible way to support that organization. And that is really um, maybe a little bit opposite of what my dad did, but I, my dad at least he taught me that, even though he ne didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily able to live it. Uh, he knew that that's what he should be doing, and taught me to do that. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned how you found a letter he had written mm -hmm. his mother, and mm -hmm. then also the photograph. Have you found anything else? My when when he passed away, uh, he passed away what now uh, um, almost three years ago. Um, yeah, we started going through all his stuff and found you know just a treasure chest full of all kinds of things, um, both from his experiences in the military, but also in his life. And so we're able to start, you know, piecing things together. And a lot of things that I think he probably would never have talked about if we had ever brought it up, you know, while he was alive. And some new mysteries, you know, that have opened up that we, you know, don't understand. But um, yeah, you know, we, we, we all, all kinds of things, you know, we found out. Well, I would, I would like to tell one story, if I can, from, from the military, if that's all right. Um, there, was, there was one great big uh, armored battle 
uh, between the Allies and the Germans in Western Europe. This was after the Battle of the Bulge. And I believe it was up in the Netherlands or in that area. And my father was, his unit was a reserve unit up in the hills. And so they never really entered into the battle, but they were in reserve. And down below them, at the bottom of this hill was a farm. And they saw chickens. And they hadn't had real eggs in months. And so they said, wow, eggs. So they sent my dad down with a couple other guys, because he at least knew how to speak something close to Dutch, and um, to talk to the farmers. And they had two routes. One would go through the woods, or one could go straight down. They decided to go straight down. They went down. The ladies gave them a bowl of eggs, basically said, you know, get out of here. And they went back up, and they cooked the eggs. The next morning, there was a huge firefight down in those woods. There was a German unit that had run out of gas sitting in those woods. And one reason why the farmers wanted them to get out of here was because they were afraid that they'd be in the middle of a fight, right? And my dad realized, they realized, that if they had gone down through those woods, they would have been killed. So they went the straight route down to the farm rather than going through the woods, which saved their lives. And my dad often said, and you know, he was a believer, he often said that you know, Jesus saved my life that day. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I'm grateful he did. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Lauren. It's good to be here. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then, where we talk about great men who shaped our nation into what it is today. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode and even learned something new. Come back next week as we will talk about Jimmy Stewart, an American famous actor, and he was also a soldier in World War II, which not many people know, but we will dive into that next week. Once again, this has been Great Men Back Then with your host, Lauren Scott, on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.